ESPN Head in the Game. Yes, hello, I'm Jamie Lang and this is Head in the Game, your ultimate preview to the week's sporting action. Now, we usually focus on just one major sporting event, but there is so much going on this week that we've created the ultimate sporting week, a unique take on what could be, well, the greatest seven days there's ever been in sports. Now, alongside me is a woman who could have been a contender. She was one of the UK's most promising middle-distance runners, but decided to hang up her trainers just so she could sit next to me in the sweaty studio. It's Rachel Stringer. Hi, Jamie. Hi. Are you all right? Uh, so, tell me about your date. You're going there. He I, went there. Straight He's in there. He's talking about a date on the podcast. Let's just start. Where did your... You, you went on a first date to someone where... I went to the pub to watch the Derby Leeds game. <laughs> oh, yes. That's how much they think of me to take me to a first date to watch the football. Not at the stadium. Yeah. No, no, to a pub. Uh, what did you have for starters? Did you have the... Um... I didn't get fed because the car machine broke, so he had no cash. <laughs> Neither did I. So we had one drink and sat there for pretty much the entire date. Um, you didn't even have any... You didn't have any, didn't have any peanut, snacks. No peanuts? No, no. No, none of that? None of Scampi that. Scampi and fries, chips, anything like that? And I was starving so much so I got home and I was like, what can I eat? I'm so hungry. Oh, dear. Now, it really is an amazing week ahead. There is so much going on. So who better to give you the packed programme of events than our very own voice? The question is, can he complete his rundown in under 60 seconds? Now, last week, he managed to do the history of the French Open within the minute. But I fear this week may be a too big a task. Voice, get on with it. Your ultimate sporting week begins on Monday with the most lucrative football match in the world, the EFL Championship Playoff Final between Aston Villa and Derby County, worth at least £170 million to the winner. On Wednesday, London rivals Arsenal and Chelsea go head-to-head in the Europa League Final. You have to go all the way back to 1970 to when the Gunners last won this competition when it was called the Fairs Cup. Chelsea lifted the trophy a bit more recently in 2013. Thursday sees the start of one of the biggest global tournaments in world sport, the 12th edition of the ICC Cricket World Cup, with England back as hosts. First played in 1975, the home team has never won the tournament, but a favourites this time out. On Saturday, the stakes get even higher with the ultimate game in club football, the Champions League final between Tottenham and Liverpool. Few would have predicted that head-to-head at the beginning of the campaign. And if you've still got the stamina for more ultimate sporting action, there's the small matter of the World Heavyweight Championship bout between Britain's Anthony Joshua and Andy Ruiz. And that is your ultimate sporting week in less than a minute! Ah! Voice, I'm impressed. Under 60 seconds. Does surprise me sometimes. Voice training. There we go. Right, so where to start on this incredible week? We're joined by ESPN FC editor Dale Johnson. Hi there. Hi, nice to have you back. Hi, Dale. Hi, Jamie. It's great to be back. Don't know why I shouted. You're just literally about <laughs> two foot away from me. I'm actually fascinated by this story about being taken on a first date with oh, Leeds, no. Leeds versus Derby County in a pub with no car machine. It's remarkable. Okay, Dale, mm. if you were going to take me on a first date, where would you take me? That's a big question. It is, I'm asking you. You said you quite like the uh, Hackney Marathon, yeah. something like that, don't know. You would take Ooh, me to a marathon. <laughs> That's even worse than the pub day, that is come the, on. That is the worst answer. Dale just... Johnson, you would take me to <laughs> watch <laughs> a marathon. <laughs> and just FYI, the date wasn't that bad, I just don't want to go on another one. I can clearly only think of something worse than the Leeds versus Derby in a pub with no food. Uh, right, also in the studio is Crick Info Deputy Editor Alan Gardner, who's going to be talking about the Cricket World Cup later, but he is also an Arsenal fan. Hello, Alan. Hello. Are you really an Arsenal fan? 
I am really an Arsenal fan. Okay. He's really an Arsenal fan. You know how he's really a Chelsea fan? Yeah, I'm really a Chelsea fan. Mm. I can remember <laughs> Anfield 1989 and everything. In a poll of Arsenal fans, apparently 60% said they prefer their team to lose the Europa League rather than Tottenham win the Champions League. Now, are you surprised by that? No, not really. That sort of um, petty parochial football rivalry, isn't it? You just don't want your biggest rival to do something that your team hasn't done. Uh, come on, even if that means no Champions League football next season... Well, yeah, but, you know, that's one season of pain. It'll be a lifetime of it, never hearing the end of Spurs talking about being the first of the two. Obviously, Chelsea were the first London team to win the European Cup. Arsenal have been to a final, but sadly never won that trophy yet. Yeah, I would definitely prefer Spurs not to win it than Arsenal to win the Europa League. We could have another go at that. We could have another go at getting the Champions League, but they'll never again be the first North London team to win the European Cup. Definitely Spurs can't win. Will you go and sit in a Liverpool pub then and kind of... Um, Cheer them on. What was your plan? I'll be watching the cricket because uh, the World Cup is on, uh, but (laughs) I will be cheering on uh, Liverpool uh, from my seat in my office. That was so ESPN of you. (laughs) I will be sitting in my office watching cricket. Right, let's start with Wednesday's Europa League final between Chelsea and Arsenal. Now, is there more pressure on the Gunners, bearing in mind they'll be desperate for that place next year's Champions League, which Chelsea have already secured? Alan, what do you think? Yeah, I guess so. It it would be um, the difference, perhaps, between Unai Emery saying this has been in a successful first year in the job. Didn't quite crack the top four, but we gave it a good run. There was a bit more life around the club than under in that final year under Wenger. And then we've lifted a trophy at the end of it. That probably is the difference between the two. And Dale, uh, what about you? What are you thinking? Well, it's got to be it's got to be Arsenal because Chelsea have, are almost they're playing for just for the trophy a little bit extra, whereas Arsenal are playing for the financial future of what they're going to be able to invest in their squad. Because basically, if they win the Europa League, they get their qualification for the Champions League. That's roughly an extra £50 million before they even start playing in the competition next year. So that's going to affect exactly how they can approach the summer and the transfer market, how they can strengthen their team. Whereas Chelsea are almost in that position already, but obviously it's not going to change the fact that they want to win the trophy. It's £50 million if you get into the Champions League? Yeah, it's £38 million just for qualifying and a £13 million bonus for getting to the group stage, which you automatically do. So We could buy a right-back or something. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And what do you get if you win it? I think it's around about 100 million you get in total. Sorry? You win 100 million if you win the Champions League? Yeah, yeah, yeah. big money, Jay. Where have you been? You you get like (laughs) 2.3 million pounds for every victory. So, like, it all stacks up, and then as you're going through each group stage, and also you get um, obviously the big slices of the television money and everything. It's probably more than 100 million, actually. Alan, you were just talking about right backs. Uh, I guess we're going to say Arsenal maybe are lacking a little bit in defence, but strong up front. Would that kind of pose the biggest threat to Chelsea, would you say? Yeah, hopefully. I mean, I think Aubameyang and Lacazette have been, uh, you know, pretty sparkling uh, double act most of the season, uh, certainly when they've played together. And in defence, you know, a cardboard cutout of Tony Adams would be more effective than uh, a couple of the players we have in the squad. So, yeah, we have to outscore Chelsea. We did beat them uh, in the league, if I recall beat them in the FA Cup final a couple of seasons ago as well so there's not quite that same hold when it comes to Chelsea as when Mourinho was there I think so yeah if Laka and Aubameyang get good service then fingers crossed it'll be Jamie who's crying into his beer. Arsenal have conceded 51 goals this season in the Premier League that's 12 more than Chelsea but it's more than Wolves, Everton and Leicester that tells you how bad the defence has been obviously they've had no uh, Koscielny and Bellerin for most of the league season but 
that means Mustafi's had to play, and that's been uh, pretty much a disaster throughout. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes. I mean, he's up the rivaling sort of Pascal Segon, I think, these days for uh, one of the uh, great comedy defensive signings. Speaking of signings or people exiting, you know, this could be Eden Hazard's last ever game for Chelsea. He's expected to join Madrid. Could this be an amazing send-off for him? It's certainly going to be the way he'd want to leave. I think this has been on the cards for a while now. I think the signing of Christian Pulisic in January certainly hinted that uh, the time was up for Hazard. He's 28. This is his last chance, really, to get this big move. He's got one year left on his Chelsea contract. So if he signed another Chelsea contract, that's almost saying, that's it, I'm staying at Chelsea now. My ambitions to play for a Real Madrid or Barcelona, that level of club, are over. But obviously, he's decided this is the time. I want to go and I want to prove it. And winning this trophy and perhaps scoring the goal uh, would be the, the the way he wants to go. I mean, he's uh, he's had seven fantastic years at Chelsea and he would have been in the, the team of the year this year if it wasn't such strong competition for those forward places against Sterling, Aguero and Mane. It's going to be a big loss to Chelsea. I don't know if Pulisic is going to be good enough to replace him, but um, it seems to be that that's going to be the man who comes in. Well, as a neutral, I'm going to ask you what you think the score will be as well, Dale, because, uh, you know, not that we mind as much as these two over there. Apparently, we've got a blue and a red, so um, we can probably make predictions. I mean, I think it's very difficult to call because... You would think that maybe Chelsea, because they're, they're because of Arsenal's defence, have talked you, about. Thank you. But then again, you've got Emery, who, as Alan mentioned, he's got such a fantastic record in the Europa League. You've got to think that uh, he 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 knows his competition well. It's going to be really really tight to call. I think when I go two one Chelsea with a Hazard winner. Hey, I agree with you. Dale, <laughs> I thought you might. <laughs> I like you. I agree with you. You're my friend. <laughs> As long as Liverpool beat Spurs. <laughs> <laughs> uh, right, guys, let's leave the Europa League there and go on to the Champions League. Now, who better to talk about the Champions League final than a footballer who played for both Liverpool and Tottenham? Now, he scored a hat-trick on his Liverpool debut and another famous FA Cup hat-trick for Spurs too. It's only Ronnie Rosenthal. How are you, buddy? Yeah, very good. Did you like the intro that I uh, designed for you? Yes, no, that's great. Yeah, it's it describe a bit. <laughs> Ronnie, tell me, so you scored a hat trick for Liverpool on your debut. What was that feeling like? Amazing, you know, absolutely amazing. You know, I still remember it. You know, next year will be thirty years, and uh, it looks like yesterday. Yeah, of course, I remember it was an amazing day. I mean, uh, I still remember Kenneth Elglish telling me one hour, maybe in ten minutes before the kick-off that I'm starting because I didn't expect to start. You know, it was just like uh, out of the blue. And uh, but me always very uh, kind of calm, cool, you know. I say, okay, I'll start, you know. You know, you have always confident on, on your own ability, so you know. And, and I did it. Well, uh, Ronnie, let's chat quickly about the Champions League. I mean, what semi-finals we had in both those games? Uh, did you watch and did you kind of think what on earth was going on? The chances that it would happen is uh, nearly uh, very very slim. You know, with Spurs it was much more dramatic because Liverpool scored, uh, I, I think, the first goal was 10 minutes or 15 minutes from the end. You know, Spurs, you know, was just, uh, you say, after the, the miss, not the miss, where well, Vertonghen was heading it, he didn't score. And you say, OK, that's it. They're not going to do it. And But you still have this kind of hope and uh, it has happened eventually. So it was an amazing night. Because I was actually flying and I got off the plane and someone texted me going, have you seen the match? And I was like, what's happened? And I looked and I was like, 
It's unbelievable. We all jumped. We all jumped home. We all jumped from the sofas and we all uh, couldn't believe it. Uh, kind of shouted and it's like basically you win the lottery. You know, Liverpool will play against Barcelona. I think if you make another 20 games, they're not going to get back from this. And and Spurs the same, you know. So it's a bit like the lottery. I was actually at the Oval uh, to watch England versus Pakistan. <laughs> I managed to see the only uh, game that didn't have about 700 runs in it. It just had 18 overs before it was uh, called off for the rain. But that did mean I got to the pub in time to watch the Tottenham Ajax game. But... I certainly thought at half-time, there's no way Spurs are coming back from this. No chance whatsoever, even like deep into injury time, obviously. When they scored it, I mean, everybody in the pub that I was watching in, was there was a few Spurs fans losing their minds, whereas everybody else was just totally aghast at what just happened because there have been so many games that have been like that in the preceding days, including the Barcelona-Liverpool game, of course. And it was just like, how is this still happening? I didn't watch either game. I sort of followed them on Twitter. I was very um, impressed with Liverpool's uh, performance and eagerly following the, the goals uh, as they went in. Less so with Spurs. At half-time, I was like, ah, this one's done. I'll just not check that. And then uh, with about five minutes ago, I was like, ah, this doesn't look so good. Uh, no, there was no one throwing beer over me or anything like that when uh, when Spurs did score their winner. I just went to bed. <laughs> Ronnie, I need to ask you a question, OK, because I'm interested in this. Now, there is a long break between competitive matches for both sides. When you were a pro, did you mind having such a long break between games? It's not ideal. I mean, it, for me, it doesn't make sense. Three weeks break, too much. In a way, for Spurs, is better because I understood that maybe Harry Kane will be ready, yeah? So maybe it uh, suits Spurs more than Liverpool, yes? But on the whole, it's not good to have three weeks break. Yeah? It, it's just that uh, absolutely nonsense for me, but, but OK, you know, maybe they will correct it one day. Then how would you keep focused? If you think it's a long break in between, how would you keep yourself motivated and focused for the game? It's the most important game of the year, so you don't need to motivate your player. They are there for sure, you know, they are professional, and this is the ultimate place to play, you know. You tell me what player would not uh, dream to play uh, that final. Then what about your fitness, right? If you have no matches going on, how do you keep fit? Do you just go on runs? Do you go down to the weights? What do you do? That's the only issue where the probably two clubs are preparing, uh, you know, in training or maybe friendly game in between them. So, yeah, it's not ideal. I think the maximum can be two weeks. Two weeks is reasonable, but three weeks is too much, you know. So, really, you need to find a kind of friendly game because the game just keep you, maintain your, your fitness. But, but I'm not worried. I'm sure the player prepared themselves the best way because uh, that's the, the most important for them. And, and Ronnie, obviously I'd say Liverpool are favourites, but if Spurs do have Harry Kane back, you can't really bet against them then? Yeah, I mean, Liverpool definitely, as you said, are much better if you compare like for like. We're talking about one game. Surely the fact that maybe Harry Kane will be there again, you know, he has been a long time outside, you know, it's very difficult to get. But OK, it gives uh, something more to Spurs. It's an added value and it is something quite important for Spurs. But we know that Liverpool uh, have more quality. Now we're coming to one game, you know, one game, anything can happen, you know, absolutely anything, because 
you can win the game by deflection, you can win the game by a scramble in a corner, you can win the game by things, unexpected goals, that's what I call them in football, you know, sometimes you have the club that's got more chances, but they're not scoring on the day, so, you know, it's on the paper, it is maybe 60% to Liverpool to win. So would you say the pressure is on Liverpool, and does that mean Spurs maybe have the edge because they can relax a little bit? Yeah, I don't look at it like this, because Liverpool, I don't think they are under pressure. They've won it already anyway. So if Liverpool don't win it this time, it's not the end of the world. Yes, I mean, Liverpool will be maybe more disappointed if they lose it. Because they obviously lost as well last year. Yeah, it could be. But Liverpool, you know, the fact that they didn't win the league, yes, they are a little bit more under pressure. But I'll not say they are under pressure. They will play a normal game, you know. They try to win it as they've done in so many games this season. And when Liverpool plays Spurs, it's always been an open game with goals. I don't see it differently this time. You know, the, the both club want to score goals, yes. Always been an open game for me. So I, I know for sure there will be goals in the game. Now, Ronnie, I've got a big question for you because you've played for both clubs. So I'm going to have to ask you, who are you going to be supporting? It's inevitable, this question. Of course it is. <laughs> First of all, I'll be happy anyway. I will be also a bit sad for the side that lose it. Spurs, no doubt, needed more than Liverpool, yes, because if Liverpool, they will be sad, but they've won it five times. You know, I, I have to be a little bit diplomatic. I like both clubs, you know. Spurs Ronnie, stop more. lying. Who are yeah. you going to pick? They just have a split <laughs> scarf. It's fine. Spurs needed more, yes, we know it. I think that's what Spurs is saying, <laughs> So you like Tottenham more? Okay, we've got it. <laughs> Not really. No, no. I, listen, I, have both, I like both clubs, uh, but, you know, whatever happens, happens in the end of the day. You You're know? a gentleman, Ronnie. Thank you so yes. much today. We really appreciate it. Thank you. Thank Thanks. you. Bye-bye. What a nice guy Ronnie is. It must be weird, though, having played for both clubs, to then see them both in a final, and, you know, it'd be hard to choose who to support. Football is the winner for in the Rosenthal household, surely. That's exactly it, Alan. Uh, Dale, who do you think is going to win? On paper, you can't see past Liverpool because they're playing so well at the moment. They've won, what was it, um, 9, 10, 11 games in a row. I can't remember what the actual number was. And you, then you look at the, the, the current form for Spurs and they're just not playing well at all. They've lost 13 games all season. Liverpool just the one in the Premier League and they're coming against each other. But then again, the two games in the league were so close when they played each other a few weeks ago. There was only that um, late Alderweireld own goal which decided the game. But Liverpool are the team that have been absolutely firing. And even though they lost out on the title, I still don't think that will really have hurt them in terms of momentum because they didn't lose the title they just didn't win it if that makes sense yeah, they, they could have won they kept on winning but they just couldn't win it it wasn't like they tripped up on the final hurdle and lost a match they just kept winning and it just wasn't enough against a team like Manchester City so I think Liverpool have still got momentum whereas Spurs have lost the, I think it's five or six games away from home Spurs were in the title race in February they were only a few points off the top and that's when their form really nosedived in comparison to what it was like course you didn't have Harry Kane from that point onwards the teams were close it was only during this real sprint at the end of the season that Liverpool pulled so far away I don't think there's that much between the teams but you do have to say Liverpool with the attacking ability they've got at the moment they've got to be the slight favourites not the big favourites just slight favourites 
Spurs haven't won a trophy in a decade. Spurs came third in a two-horse race when Leicester won the Premier League. This is just Spurs. They'll play some nice football, impress a lot of the neutrals, they'll get to the final and they'll lose. Alan Garner, as you can tell, is a big fan of Tottenham. Uh, right, we're going to switch sports now. Yeah, because the ICC Cricket World Cup begins on Thursday with England hosting one of the biggest events in the world sport for the fifth time. Uh, South Africa are the home team's first opponents. Uh, let's get back to Alan from Crick Info. How excited are you that we are hosting this world event? Oh, I'm just bursting. I'm going to a few of the games. I have lots of colleagues who will be at all of the other matches. So, um, yes, it will be a non-stop carnival for us, uh, either in the office or at the grounds. The World Cup hasn't been in England for 20 years. The last time England didn't do very well. So this is a chance to make amends. But it's interesting, right, because over the years we've seen the rise of the 2020, the IPL and so on. Is the Cricket World Cup as big a deal as it used to be? I think it is. The IPL, that's a franchise sort of tournament. So, you know, people have their club affiliations, a bit like we were talking about the, the Champions League earlier, but this is a big international event. The World T20, for instance, doesn't have such significance. It's a, it's a short, sharp tournament. There's a sense that T20 is still a bit throwaway. It's a bit of fun. But this 50-over cricket, it's it's almost like the halfway house still between Test, which is the classical form of the game, and T20, which is it's the fast and furious form. So this should be, you know, a sort of feast of, of all the good things about cricket. 50-overs aside, um, a great day out. And it is a big event, you know, as far as the, the cricketing world is concerned. You know, all of the subcontinent will be watching... India will be here, Australia will be here, South Africa will be here. Yeah, it should be a lot of fun. And, and yeah, it's a, it's a big event. And England have never won it. So, <laughs> you know, they've got to set that right. And the tournament, I guess the structure differs a little bit this year as well, doesn't it? Yes, they've changed it. They've gone back to the format they had uh, in 1992, one which was sort of very fondly remembered. England actually got to the final uh, in, in that uh, tournament and then lost to Pakistan. But um, yes, this is 10 teams. Everyone plays everyone around Robin format. Then the top four go through into the semi-final. So it's a departure from the previous uh, years where you've had group stages and then a super six and, and things like that. It's got a bit complicated. Do you think this is a good change then? Go back well, to this format? Yes, in a sense that it will create a lot of good match matches between all the best teams, although it has led to the exclusion of smaller teams such as Ireland, Netherlands, Scotland. And if you're talking about growing the game, getting more people involved, then ideally you'd want those in. You know, the, the Football World Cup is, is growing. I think the Rugby World Cup is growing. The Cricket World Cup has contracted since 2015 to this tournament. So in that sense, I would, I'd probably prefer to see more teams and, and more of a group stage with a knockout threat. But this will produce some terrific games, that's for certain. But weirdly, even though we're hosting the World Cup, there's not the excitement yet, which seems odd, right? I would expect that there was a big World Cup going on. I'd hear so much more about it. Is that because we haven't finished the football season yet? Or is it another thing. England have been playing at Pakistan you know the IPL only finished about two weeks ago so we're only really now gearing up to the tournament proper. Uh, we're having the final squad announcements this week. There's going to be a, like a fan park on the mall ahead of that opening game against South Africa I think they're beginning to put up murals and things like that around uh, around the cities that are hosting the game so yeah I think that buzz is building the game is not going to be on, or the tournament is not on terrestrial TV, it's obviously on Sky but it'll be on the radio and things like that so yeah I think once the football, to get this football out of the way you all this Europa League and Champions League and then give it back to the proper summer sport will be fine. You say that the football finishes on the 1st of June we've got the Nations League finals after that. <laughs> we've got, we've, it always we've got, continues. I'm, I'm forever hearing buzz about that. Yeah, but England, <laughs> we've got England in the Nations League finals to look forward to. Oh, so, come on, come on, Gareth. Cricket, cricket's going to have to wait another Move week before I, before I get back. The Cricket World Cup goes on for seven weeks oh, yes, so we've got yes. plenty of time to build up to yeah. the fight. Do you think we can live up 
to our favourites title this time around? It's most bizarre to anyone that's followed, and Dale will, I'm sure, back this up, you know, anyone that's followed English cricket for 20 or 30 years. Well, I was at the Netherlands game in the 2020 World Cup, uh, about, what, 10 years ago, was it? Yeah, the 2009. The opening yeah. game of the tournament at Lords, and England lost to Netherlands, which is, like, uh, <laughs> which is, which was a Unheard massive, of. huge shock, and by the end of that match, everyone was actually supporting the Netherlands, because England were so... Yeah, there's always so dramatically to take from it. But, but yes, I mean, since, I mean, England haven't been, had as good a chance to win this, uh, the World Cup in nearly 30 years, 92, I'd say, they, they, when they got to the final. And they are ranked number one in the world. They've been playing some amazing cricket, and it's just whether they can live up to that now. Since the last World Cup, England have completely sort of reinvented the way they played the game. It was before that very conservative sort of safety first, keep wickets in hand, we'll build and build and build, and then slowly at the end we might launch a, a party popper or two. Now it's, you know, it's fireworks the whole way through the innings. They score at a rate faster than, than almost anyone has seen, and it's mind-blowing that it's England that have been this sort of revolutionary force. But yeah, they've got a lot of good young players, exciting young players and I expect you'll know them all by the end of uh, July. Just talk about a few of them I know our top order are great and you've got I think four of the batters in the top 20 can you just name a few of them for the listeners? Yeah, I mean look out for uh, Jason Roy I reckon Jamie could pass for Jason Roy in a helmet actually. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. Joe Root obviously a big star of the test team, Owen Morgan, the captain, Joss Butler who is probably one of the most destructive batsmen in, going in the in, in the world today and big star of the IPL those are the guys to look for out for Ben Stokes who uh, you know is very well known as well yeah the bowlers less so it's very much about the batting with England but usually if they can score 380 then that will keep them just about safe is my friend Stuart Broad going to be there um, no. He, no he might be, <laughs> might be watching he's going to be watching yeah, he, he's being saved for the Ashes. Oh, he's saved for the Ashes. Also, talking the Ashes, right? Australia, mm. they've won it four out of the five times. Uh, are they our biggest threat? Well, uh, uh, no. I think India are really uh, England's biggest rival um, when it comes to winning. Australia, yes, they have a knack of, of winning tournaments, and they have actually just turned the corner in terms of uh, their form in one-day cricket, but it had been terrible. They, they won the World Cup in 2015 and then really just sort of trod water for, for two or three years whilst England led the way in, in kind of well, speeding the game up, really. Last summer, Australia were over here. England beat them 5-0. You know, they've got a, a very good record against Australia recently. But you, that said, you can't discount Australia just, just because of their sort of tournament mentality. Um, but I think India are the, are the team to look out for other than England. They've got the best batsman in the world in all formats, Virat Kohli. Um, they've got MS Dhoni, who is kind of a legend of Indian cricket. Jasprit Bumrah is probably one of the, the best fast bowlers in, in the world today. Uh, sort of a very strange action that he has, almost like he's sort of throwing a javelin, but it makes him very effective uh, and they've got spinners as well who, who are um, yeah very difficult to play so they're the team to look out for I think other than uh, England and, and maybe the Aussies will be in it but you know So you're going to go in England uh, India final? Well that would be I mean they are the top two ranked teams they're um, the two teams with the best records over the last few years as well um, India have more experience of winning those big games knockout games they won the tournament on home soil in 2011 and England are yeah, as we've said the favourites but um, two years ago the Champions Trophy in this country England were the favourites again they got knocked out in the semi-final stage so one bad game can be the end of it but hopefully not we also spoke about some stars in the England team what about the whole World Cup as a whole who do we need to watch out for who are they going to be the superstars well as I mentioned uh, Virat Kohli uh, is, a, is a you know a supreme batsman taking up the mantle that Sachin Tendulkar uh, left when he retired Kegisa Rabada uh, South Africa quick bowler if he's fit yeah he is quite young still but he has a, a real chance to be a sort of superstar of the game hopefully he will be available for South Africa um, Dale Stain as well he's I mean, he's at the twilight of his career probably but proven performer 
they don't have A.B. de Villiers, who would have been one of the star players, but he retired from international cricket this time last year. We talk about South Africa, you can't omit the discussion of their uh, habitual failure to get through tough situations, uh, also known as choking. So, you know, they lost <laughs> the semi-final of the last World Cup. They lost the semi-final famously here 20 years ago against Australia when they needed one run off the last three balls. Last two batsmen managed to contrive a run out and Australia went through. That reputation was kind of forged then and, and they haven't really managed to throw it off. They haven't won that global tournament, a World Cup or, or a World T20. That will probably uh, count against South Africa when it comes to people's favourites anyway. So Alan, I've got to ask you, I know you said it, we're doing well, we're number one at the moment. Can England do it? They can. They absolutely can. Whether they will, that's uh, I'm a little less certain of. They are a very good side. Uh, they've been playing very good cricket and I think you know there'll be a lot of fingers crossed that they do do it come July the 14th. Hey, I want to go and watch a, watch a game now. Rach, let's do it. I'll take well, you on a. I'll take you on a. All, all three of us need to go because we have. Oh, I've just ruined a date. I think he's going to say I'm going to take you on a date, and I was like, "Well, I'll go take you on the cricket." The... Do you want to come with us? Can I get tickets? Well, we're going to try and get tickets. <laughs> we're going to ask the guys at ESPN if they can get us tickets. No, what we'll do is we'll just go sit in the pub and watch it, Rach. Oh, I yeah, won't bring my I'll credit do. card. All uh, right, Alan. Thank you so much for that. I appreciate it. Are you going to stay here for the quiz? I will stay here for the quiz. Oh, I can't wait. All right, let's do this. ESPN head in the game. Uh, right, time to switch sports in our Ultimate Sporting Week and speak to ESPN boxing reporter Nick Parkinson ahead of Saturday's world heavyweight clash between Anthony Joshua and Andy Ruiz. Nick, how big a fight is this going to be? Well, in terms of how big a, a threat and how big a test Andy Ruiz is to Anthony Joshua, not very much. But in terms of importance for Joshua's career, it's very important. This is the first professional fight Joshua's had in the U.S., and the whole point of this fight, the whole point of taking Anthony Joshua over to the state is to try and create some interest, try and boost his American fan base and obviously to look good in front of an American audience. That's what this fight's all about. And it's not really about competition because in terms of how much of a threat Ruiz poses, he doesn't pose that much of a threat at all. I wouldn't even describe him as, as a banana skin, really. You have to remember that Ruiz is, is the best of a bad bunch in, in terms of who was available at the time of, of this fight being made. Joshua was supposed to be fighting a guy called Jarrell Miller, but he tested positive for a banned substance last month. And Joshua's promoter, Eddie Hearn, had to find another opponent, and, and Ruiz was the, was the best one available. But it's interesting, though, because AJ, this is his uh, eighth world title fight. Uh, but Joshua yeah. also holds all but one of the world heavyweight title belts. The other belt is actually held by Deontay Wilder, who absolutely obliterated his opponent earlier yeah. this month. I mean, he just destroyed him. When are we going to see those two face each other and what would be the hugest boxing match? Expect Joshua to come through this this fight um, uh, that he's got against Andy Ruiz. But the next fight after that won't be against Deontay Wilder. Well, I think we'll have to wait until next summer, possibly, for, for that fight. It is a huge fight. Obviously, you've got Joshua with, with three world heavyweight titles and Wilder with the other one. But the problem is, Jamie, is that Joshua, Wilder and Tyson Fury, they're all uh, signed to rival US broadcasters. And that makes making the fights against each other difficult. There's too much money involved for Joshua and Wilder not to fight, but I think at the moment they're playing a bit of a long game, the promoters and the, and the broadcasters, and they're looking to get Joshua and Fury some exposure in the States, and then these fights against Wilder and between Fury and Joshua become a lot bigger to a global audience because the US audiences will be more acquainted with Joshua and Fury. But Nick, the problem that happens is that AJ kind of feels like no one, well not everyone, but the sort of average show feels like it hasn't been tested yet. Yes, I know he fought Klitschko mm. and it was a brilliant fight, but it was kind of fighting an opponent whose best days were behind him. 
Well, he looked as though his best days were behind him against Fury, definitely. He looked as though he'd completely overlooked Fury in that fight. But he was a lot better against Joshua. Remember, he put Joshua down. I mean, I think Anthony, he has fought the best he can fight out there except for Fury and Wilder. The problem is, is that heavyweight division isn't deep with talent. You, you also remember Joshua's also beaten Dillian White. Dillian White is probably outside of Joshua, Wilder and Fury. He's probably the next heavyweight down. And then you've got a, a big Cuban guy called Luis Ortiz. And then after that, that there isn't, you know, there's got a, you've got a few up and coming fighters like Daniel Dubois and uh, Joe Joyce, but they're not quite ready for the world title fights yet. So it's not a, a division that's stacked full of talent. It's not like the 80s or even 90s when Lewis and Tyson and Holyfield were duking it out. There just isn't the options to have back-to-back really competitive fights for these guys. And we're going to have to get used to them fighting people like, like Ruiz. And do you think AJ seems like too much of a nicer guy to beat Wilder, who, uh, you know, by all accounts, isn't really the nicest guy? And didn't he say he wants to kill a guy recently? <laughs> yeah, I know, I know. He, he comes out with these comments, Wilder. I mean, I've interviewed him a few times. He is a nice guy, one-to-one. And I think he, he said that. I think it was a combination of things. But he, he says some of these things to try and create interest because Wilder in the U.S. doesn't have the same profile as Joshua has over here. I mean, Joshua over here is, you know, he's one of the most recognisable sports stars we've got. Wilder could pretty much, you know, he, he could walk around a, a shopping mall in the States and, and virtually go unnoticed, except if outside of his home state. He's trying to create some attention and trying to build up interest in himself and, you know, add on a few pay-per-view buys. But it's quite an odd thing to say, because he didn't actually, he said something along the lines of, it's the only place where you can kill a person in the ring and he's going to use his right to do that. Or something along those lines, Uh, wasn't it? It's terrible. I mean, it's one of the worst things you've come out, you know, I've heard come out of a boxer's mouth. But I do honestly think that the majority, you know, the biggest factor for him saying that is that he thinks he's, you know, he's getting interest, he's he's making headlines and he's happy to play the villain. He's got a a clever guy behind him uh, American guy called Shelley Finkel was involved in the fight when Mike Tyson was fighting. He was the man behind Mike Tyson. He's got to have a word with Deontay Wilder to tell him to tone it down a bit. You know, Tyson Fury creates headlines. He creates headlines by being funny. And that's a lot better way to... Totally. To, to get interest in yourself. Okay, and, and also, speaking of Fury, you know, he is waiting in the wings to fight Joshua. He wants it. He says he will fight anyone out there. Are we going to see that, or is it again a money situation? I do think we'll, we'll see it, but I, I, I think that... Both of their handlers are playing a, a sort of a, a long-term game here, and uh, the next one or two fights that they're going to have, probably two fights each, that aren't going to be against the likes of Wilder or Fury for Joshua, and the other way for the other fighters. They've got other opponents lined up, but there's just too much money for it not to happen. But I think we're going to have to wait until next year or even the year after to see fights like Fury against Joshua and Joshua against Wilder. You say the, the talent pool is really shallow at the moment in the heavyweight division, and that seems to be the way for, for a while now. Do you think there's any reason for that, and do you think it's going to change in the coming years where we're going to get back to a more a vintage each time with a deeper amount of people who are capable to challenge for the world titles. Yeah, I think it will get more interesting, especially from a British point of view. I mean, Dillian White, since losing to Joshua, has, has improved. And he is a, a, a threat. He should have had his shot against Deontay Wilder, but he's having to wait. The problem is, is in America, they don't have the same amount of heavyweights coming through as they did in the 80s and early 90s. And that's what's making the division not as competitive as it was all those years ago. Nick, I've got to ask you, OK, uh, predictions. Who do you think is going to win? Or is it just a simple well, answer? It is, it is a simple answer, but the, the, with these sort of fights, you've got to pick the right round. 
I, I think um, a good bet would be rounds one to four, Joshua knockout. Could even do it in one. OK, just let's lower the rounds down. <laughs> yeah, uh, that's what I thought. What? Jamie wants to put a bet on this, by yeah. the way. <laughs> I'm just going on the hole on the side. What round? <laughs> I'm going to go for the first round. Joshua's just Whoa. seen Wilder knock out Brazil in one round. He's going to want to put on a show for, for the American audience. And I think um, once really starts to feel... Joshua's power after the first couple minutes. I, I think it will be game over. All right, Nick. Fine. Thanks very much. If uh, if you're wrong, I know where you live. Uh, <laughs> Nick, thank you All so right. much, buddy. Thank I really you, appreciate Nick. it. Thanks very much. Cheers, Bye. mate. Bye bye. Right, we've gone football, cricket, boxing. Now back to football, and uh, the ultimate sporting week starts with this one. One hundred percent. It's championship playoff. Yeah, the self-styled biggest game in football, most expensive game, more money than anything. This, this is the game. Turn everything else off because this is a sporting event. You've got to watch that day. That's I love told. it. I will. One hundred and seventy mil on the line. No, I'm no, watching. You're wrong, Rachel. You're oh, wrong. Go on then. What have you found out? Okay, there's nearly two hundred million pounds at stake to the winner. Neither team can afford to lose this match. As a reporter, that both clubs are already carrying a big financial burden. What do you think about that, Dale? Well, yeah, I mean, they both definitely have. I mean, Derby County have already um, had to sell their ground to their owners' different company, so they sold the ground for £80 million, which made them in profit because it's all to do with financial fair play, basically, and the way that works in the English uh, Second Division Championship, whereby you can only spend as much as you generate plus a little bit extra that your owner puts in, and you've got a certain amount of losses you can have. Now, Derby have been over that for several years, so now they've had to sell their ground to cover that. Now, Aston Villa, they're in the last uh, year of the parachute payments after coming down from the Premier League, so they're going to be in a very similar situation if they don't get promoted, and they'll probably lose some of their best players, and there's talk that Villa might sell their ground to a subsidiary company if that happens. So yeah, it's very much a case of the team that doesn't win this won't just get the 200 million um, bonus of getting in the Premier League, they'll also have the downside of having to deal with financial fair play and and all that comes with that. Villa taking on Derby and John Terry taking on Frank Lampard, two obviously former Chelsea legends going head to head. That in itself would be something quite special to watch. Yeah, it's just a shame they're both not the managers because uh, obviously, yeah, uh, uh, a coach John, and then a manager. John, but... John Terry's a coach on, on on the Villa side, but that doesn't change the narrative, does it? That's the way it's going to be billed as we go into the days before the game in the newspapers. But yeah, yeah, I mean that that will definitely be there. I think it's going to be very, very, very close to call. Dale, if I had to ask you though, who's going to win it? I like these questions straight in there. Who's going to win it, Dale? Come on, tell me. Well, Villa, Villa were playing so well at the end of the season that they, they won uh, ten I think on the bounce. Ten like, on the yeah. bounce, yeah, ten on the bounce to get in the playoffs after they'd been mid-table and looked sort of out of contention whereas Derby they also had one defeat in 12 games but they weren't winning that many of them so they sort of partly stumbled over the line but not really with any style whereas Villa were playing with some great style and they won the playoff semi-final against West Brom and with a better team even though they won it on penalties but then Derby against Leeds in the other semi-final Derby were pretty terrible for one and a half matches of that game and then in the second half against Leeds they absolutely turned it on and Leeds fell apart forgot how to defend and all of a sudden Derby are in the final so there are two teams that like to play football it's going to be entertaining I've still not given an answer that's going to win <laughs> but then I guess we forgot that obviously Villa were there last year lost out to Fulham they did, Fulham yeah. will now come back down you know do you think it's Aston Villa's turn to be back up in the top flight where we kind of think a club like that should be 
I mean, as, as, as I support Sheffield Wednesday, I, I would say the same, that these big teams should be in the Premier League, but you've got to earn your place in the Premier League. People, people like the likes of Bournemouth and Fulham when they were there last season, these smaller teams are there because they've earned in their sporting right to be in the league, whereas Villa and, and, and Derby, who spent some years in the Premier League previously, they've got to earn it as well. Um, Villa are definitely one of the traditional names for top division in England. Um, I think they will win this game. I think it'd be a really good entertaining match. Uh, but I think it'll be tight. There, you said it. I love that. Also, you know, the Championship is now a graveyard for former top flight clubs. Forest are in it. Yeah, Sheffield Wednesday. Indeed. There yeah. you go. Your team, Dale. 20 years next year it'll be since we were relegated. You love giving that fact, don't you? Uh, <laughs> I hate thinking about it. But for- Nottingham Forest as well, as we mentioned. They're, they're, they're in 1999. They went down. Leeds United, who we just talked about, they've been gone 15 years now. And all, all three of those teams have been down in the in the third division as well and had to come back up again and still can't get back in the Premier League. It's pretty competitive now, it's isn't very, it? It's very, very tough to get out of the Championship. Very tough indeed. Uh, right, Dale. Uh, I'm going to ask you another question. Uh, will you please stick around for the quiz? It's my favourite part of the show. Uh, do you know what? I was waiting for you to ask. Coming up after this, a uh, little stab of music. And that was your bit of music. Uh... That was nice. You like that a little bit? I like a little stab of music. Your singing voice. I mean, what? Let's it's leave. terrible. Right, voice, it's time. Hello, Jamie. How are you? And who are these fellows? A couple of friends of mine, a couple of boys. Uh, names, please. Alan and Dale. Alan and Dale, hello. Right, voice, here we go. Three, two, one. Yes, it's the Head in the Game quiz. Alan, Dale, Rachel and Jamie, are you ready? Oh, oh yes. yeah. First section is called the AJ Multiple Choice. Alan, you're first. World Heavyweight Champion Anthony Joshua does what to relax? A. Play Scare Lickstrick. B. Play Fortnite. C. Play Chess. D. Play Chicken. Uh, I would like it to be Chess, but I'm going to say Fortnite. I'm afraid you're wrong. It is Chess. You should have gone with your first thought. Dale, question number two. AJ has a tattoo of what on his arm? A. Nigeria B. The Olympic rings C. His first child's birth date D. Muhammad Ali's face It's got to be the Olympic rings, surely. I'm afraid you're wrong as well. Oh, dear. I reckon that's on his chest. They all, all these, like, Olympians put the tattoo on the, the rings on their chest. It's of Nigeria. Rachel, question number three. How many times has AJ been defeated in the ring? A. Once B. Twice C. Three times D. Never Oh, he's talking professional career? No clues Oh, so then let's go once It's three times oh. He lost three times as an amateur <laughs> Got it uh, Unbeaten well, as a see, professional You were trying to trick me I was, see. and I won mm. Unbeaten <laughs> as a professional with 21 knockouts out of 22 Jamie Yes Here's a good one. I can't wait. What did Prince Charles say to AJ when giving him his OBE? A. And what do you do? B. Shouldn't you be playing basketball? C. Mummy enjoys watching your fights. Or D. When is your next fight? I think it was B. Shouldn't you be playing basketball? Is correct! Jamie's in the lead! Okay, Jamie one point, the rest of you zero. Alan, true or false? No player has ever scored a hat-trick in the Champions League final. Uh, true. That is true. Many have scored twice, including Cristiano Ronaldo and Hernan Crespo, but never three. Dale, Nottingham Forest have been champions of Europe the same number of times as Juventus. True or false? True. Is correct. 
Forest European champions in 79 and 1980. Juventus, unlucky, have lost seven finals. Rachel, the Women's Cricket World Cup has been running for longer than the men's. True or false? True. Yes. Yay. It started in 1973. The men's in 75. Jamie, mm-hmm. the mascot for the 2011 Cricket World Cup was called Mello the Orange Mongoose. True or false? False. Is correct. It was the 2007 Cup. Knew that. <laughs> Jamie's in the lead with two. Rachel with one. And I'm not sure if I can remember anybody else. <laughs> Final round. This is the quick fire famous fans. Which club do these famous fans support? Answer is one of Villa, Arsenal, Chelsea, Derby, Liverpool or Spurs. And they only got one each. Alan. Tom Hanks. Villa. Yes, Villa. Got into them when touring the USA. Dale. Daniel Craig. Arsenal. Liverpool. Rachel. Bill Clinton. Chelsea. Is correct. Watch them while at Oxford University. Jamie, George Clooney. What's the last team I have available? <laughs> Arsenal. Well, there's no. Derby, oh. Arsenal or Spurs. Spurs! It's Derby oh. County. After watching the Rams with Derby-born actor Jack O'Connell. Now, believe it or not, we have a dead heat between all four of you. So we have two more to get right. Jay-Z. Which one is it? Arsenal, Chelsea, Derby, Liverpool or Spurs? Spurs! It's Arsenal! You're out! Final three. Dale, Rachel and Alan. Here's the name. J.K. Rowling. Villa! No. Derby. No. Chelsea. No, I'm the winner. (laughs) It's Tottenham Hotspur. Finally, I won at last. And that is the Head in the Game quiz. Well done, boys. Uh, right, that's about all we got time for this week. Now, don't forget to subscribe. It's for free. And give us a review, too. And join us next week when we look ahead to the Women's World Cup. Uh, Dale, Alan, thank you so much for joining us today. We really appreciate it. Did you have fun? A pleasure. Of course. The fun doesn't stop here, because get ready. You have to join me when I say, until then, keep your head in the game. So much fun. ESPN, head in the game. <laughs>